through all the gospels. And at the end of each gospel, there was, there's always this, there was this thing that, that kept ca- captivating me. And it was, and it, and it was, it's found in John 18. If they want to pull up John 18 verse 10, so you can kind of see where I'm at. There's this little, there's this little blurb in there where Jesus and the, uh, the disciples are in the garden and, and you know the story, they're about to take Jesus and put him on trial and eventually crucify him. Um, but there's this little blurb in there, 18 verse 10, it says, Then Simon Peter, having his sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And that servant's name was Malchus. And I've been having this question. I was like, why does Peter have a sword? And literally the next thought that came into my brain was, the Bible says that Peter had a mother-in-law. <laughs> Which means Peter was married. Uh, and again, I don't know. That's just where my brain went. I don't, I don't know if that was inspired. I was just, you know, it did, geez, the Bible didn't say the other apostles had swords. It just said Peter had a sword. <laughs> So I'm like, I don't know, maybe it was Valentine's and Peter didn't do such a good job. Or I was thinking, you know, well, Peter was also hanging out with the dudes for three years in Jesus. So maybe his wife's, you know, love language is quality time and there hadn't been a whole lot of quality time. And, you know, maybe, maybe he's like, Jesus, I have to have this sword. You know, my wife, she's from southern Israel and, you know, those southern ladies, they, uh, if she finds me, Jesus, I need this sword. <laughs> Well, if you've been journeying with us uh, for the past couple of weeks, we're in the uh, middle of a series on the weapons of our warfare. And um, why, again, I don't, yeah, Peter didn't have the sword because he was worried about his mother-in-law. I'm sure Peter had a wonderful mother-in-law. Um, in fact, the Bible lets us know that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and raised her back from the dead. So they liked having her around. Um, praise God. <laughs> But why did Peter have a sword? Peter had a sword because what Peter realized was that he was in a battle. Peter realized that there was a war going on, and Peter had spent three years with Jesus, and Jesus had been talking all about this kingdom language and the kingdom coming and uh, setting up all the things that the new, you know, when you think about kingdoms and new rule and new you know, law and things like that. So Peter, he's, he's thinking that he, he's, he's in a battle. And um, what Peter didn't realize, though, was that, he wasn't in a physical battle. He was in a spiritual battle. And Peter didn't realize this until after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So thank God that some new things come to life in us after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. But this is, what, this is what the Apostle Paul says about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. They're going to pull that up. In verse 3 and 4 it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And then in verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not of the natural world, they're not of the flesh, they're not an actual sword or an actual shield or a spear or bow and arrow or a gun. But it says, But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then Paul told the Ephesians church in chapter 6, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So what these writers are letting us know is that, and if you've been following along, is that, hey, you, we need to have a personal prayer life. We need to be putting on the whole armor of God because we are in a battle. And I was just in a Bible study. I 
pastor's study there on, in Lesson 11. If you've ever done Lesson 11, it's all about the signs of the end time. And we were talking about how it relates to a, a, a woman and her birth. And at the end, the, the, the pangs and, the, and the, th- the things that you, the woman is going through become more and more severe. And, and we were just kind of bringing to light that, you know, sometimes, you know, when those pains go away, you just kind of die down and you kind of go back to normal. And you kind of forget and you kind of maybe move on for a moment. Um, and you kind of can, can get lulled to sleep. Um, and so why we gather here is because we're trying to keep each other awake. We're trying to keep each other motivated and focused and remind each other that, hey, we're in a battle. And so we've, it's not a physical battle, though, and it's not a battle against each other. And it's certainly not a battle against you and your spouse. Um, but it's a, it's a spiritual battle. And the playground for that battle is through prayer. And later on, Paul says that. How do we, how do we go about putting on this armor? How do we go about fighting these principalities and powers. And in verse 18, Paul clearly lets us know that it's praying. And it's just not praying, but it's always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a one-time prayer that we do, but it's a continuation. It's a continual thing. It's every day. It's every time you can think about it. Every time you can stir yourself to think about, you have to be praying about this battle. Timothy would add a little bit to this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when he says, Thou therefore endure hardness. Which kind of, it's like, okay, I like some of those previous chapters, previous verses. Kinda, those are kind of softer, a little bit nicer. Oh, yeah, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's nice. But then Timothy says, therefore endure hardness. and Because hardness is going to come. Things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. But he says, do it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And that's just not comfortable. Because especially in American culture, we like, we like stuff. We like things. And what Timothy is letting us know here is that sometimes, and you can look back in your own life, and you can look and see, hey, I remember a time when those things had me. And not us having those things, but those things captivating us and holding us. So Timothy is saying, hey, if we're going to be good soldiers in this, if we're going to fight this battle, if we're going to win this warfare, there are some things that we just can't be entangled with. There are some things that we just shouldn't be messing with, shouldn't be entertaining, shouldn't be spending time with, shouldn't be reading, shouldn't be watching. Praise God. It's not comfortable, uh, but it's the truth. Um, But sometimes... Sometimes we just don't know what, you know, sometimes we don't know what those things are, and we don't know the impact that they could have on our lives. And so in some, maybe all spiritual battles, it's a matter of position. And they're going to put up a picture here. Hopefully the pictures, you can see it. Oh, other picture. Picture one. Maybe later, hopefully I didn't label them wrong for you. There we go. So sometimes this picture, if you're, if you're not careful, sometimes you can look at this picture and you can think, man, look at me. I'm going to go take on, I'm going to take them on. And sometimes in our kind of in our American culture, we're like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it myself. And sometimes, though, you can get yourself out of position and, and really some, you, you could think that, hey, the guy's going to take on. But the truth of the matter is, is that guy's probably about to get ran over. The guy's probably about to die. So the picture can make, 
can kind of be deceiving because you can think it looks kind of all tough and mighty and I've got this and I don't need anybody and I can do this all by myself and I don't need to be in a body and, and I don't need to be uh, in authority or under authority and I can just kind of do my own thing. Um, but that guy probably died. <laughs> uh, I don't think he defeated all those horsemen by himself. And so how do you know if you're out of position? How do you know if you're standing in the wrong place? Good news is, is Paul let us know. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. And so God gave us leaders to let us know if we're out of position. But that's uncomfortable. We don't always like to be told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Um, but if your boss comes to you on Monday morning and says, Kevin, I want you to do it this way. Well, yeah, yeah, yep, let's do it that way. Because <laughs> you like to have a job. <laughs> you like the income that it provides for your family. And so since God gave us leaders, we need to pray for them. <laughs> and we need to pray for them a lot. Um, not because something's going on in their lives or because they're bad people um, or because, you know, they have struggles or whatnot, but Paul lets us know why in verse 12 and 13. It says, for the perfecting of the saints. I know these lights are kind of blinding, but uh, that's you and I. <laughs> that's me and you. We have lots of problems. Me and you, we have lots of hang-ups. Me and you are stubborn. We get bitternesses, and we get these things that come and take hold of our heart and our mind and that distract us and that confuse us. Um, and so God gave us these leaders, not that they're ruling over us and holding it over us, but it's for our own perfecting. God gave us these people to perfect us, to help us, to grow us. It says for the work of the ministry, it's because God gave ministry that there's a work that needs to be done. And so God gave us Pastor Gary and Sister Jackie and Pastor Chad and Sister Tiffany and Brother Foster and Sister Tanya. And he gave us these, these leaders, um, and we need to be praying for them because they're trying to help us. <laughs> and, and then we have to, and as we begin to pray for them, our hearts become soft so that when they come to us and say something to us, we can receive it. Um, is because we're going to all go through some things, and we're going to all go through some personal trials, and and and. God is going to, through them, oftentimes help us. Um, I, some of you are well aware and some of you aren't, but a, long, a few months ago or so, I went through a, a series of bitterness and, um, and, and things, and God used a dream, a vision to Pastor Gary, and my bitterness was with Pastor Gary. And so that's kind of how this thing works sometimes, is that we need to be praying for them because they're going to be the ones that bring us the word that frees us. But if we can't hear them, then we're not going to be free. And I couldn't necessarily hear what he was saying over the pulpit, but God was like, okay, I'm going to send a dream to pastor, and then he's going to randomly tell him, and then that dream is going to be one of the key components that helps turn the tides. Um, and so that's why we need to be praying for them, because your prayers for him might be helping me at some point, and my prayers for him may be helping you at some point win the victory. Praise God. And it says... For the edifying of the body of Christ, okay? Because we're a body. We're not up there by ourselves. We're not standing alone. We're together. We need each other. You're important. That's why you have to be here. If you're not here, 
you can't help. If we don't know where you're at, it's hard to, it's hard to find you. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so our pastors and our leaders are trying to get us to look like Christ, trying to get us to reflect Christ, to look like him, what he would say, what he would do. And we need all of those because we're just, unfortunately, this is just the way that God set it up. So let's not fight God about it. Let's just get excited. (laughs) This is what God put in line. So let's just do it. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, gives us this command. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. That's always fun. For they watch for your souls. It's a good reason to submit because they're watching for us. As they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Pastor doesn't like to do things with grief, especially on our behalf. So for why? For that is profitable unto you. Everybody likes profit, right? Nobody likes it when the stock market dives 8,000 points. We want it to go up 8,000 points because we like profit. We like when our businesses sell things. We like when that paycheck comes in. We like profit. And so this is profitable for us. Okay, so we want to submit, which is hard and uncomfortable, kind of not really within our whole Western civilization. You know, you're not, you don't find a whole lot of cool articles on Yahoo and CNN and Fox News about submitting, um, but that's, it's Bible. Um, and so we're going to submit because they're watching for us. And they can see things that we can't see. And they hear things that we can't hear. And God's going to show them things that he's not going to show us. And so if we're off in who knows where, when it comes time for the battle instructions, and we can't hear what those battle instructions are, we're going to be that, that guy all by himself, and all the horsemen are going to be coming after you. And you're probably not going to win <laughs> some battles. Now, some you may, you know, you may, but some you may not. And it may be that one that you don't win. That would have been the most important battle. Praise God. So where was that other picture? The picture you already saw. Let's put that one back up there. There we go. You guys already got the the end of the story before the beginning. And so while it looks cool to be the guy standing out in the field all by himself with all the horsemen running at you because, you know, that's just tough. I'm tough. I'm, I'm a man. I can do that. Really, this is the picture. And the problem is, is you're, well, we can't even see you because you're, like in the middle somewhere, <laughs> and you're behind the shield, and we don't even know where you are actually, <laughs> but you're there in there. <laughs> That's the point. Um, and so this is what the picture is. This is what the battle looks like, and this is what our pastor and our leaders are trying to get us to. They're trying to pull us out from standing all by ourselves, and they're trying to get us lined up correctly so that when the battle is raging and the storm is at its peak, you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters and you've got the right artillery going in the right direction, and you've got the arrows that aren't hitting you in the back because you're in your right position. And we get hit in that. You know, sometimes we feel like we get hit in the back because we're out of position. We feel like sometimes we're getting attacked, and sometimes that's just because you're, you're out of position, which is uncomfortable. But I've been there, so I'm able to talk about it. <laughs> so I've experienced these matters of being out of position. Out of position, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But I'm working on it. And Pastor and Pastor Chad and Brother Foster and, and many of you are, are working on it and helping me. 
Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, and I want to read a parable that Jesus closed the Sermon on the Mount with. And I want to see, this is what, this is what God gave me, and so I want to give it to you. It says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, not my sayings, but Jesus, is talking about Jesus, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so uh, what Jesus sort of gave me was that if, if you kind of look back where Jesus was sort of located previous to chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, Jesus is kind of on a journey here through the towns around Galilee. And if you know anything in the Sea of Galilee, and I haven't been there personally, but there's people here that have, and they would love to tell you about, about that, I'm sure. But... And what they may know is that I didn't know was that Jesus, when he went up into the mount, the mountain and the disciples and the people that followed, he was probably overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he gets to the end of his, his message after a pretty long discourse. And he sees, and he, he sees the sand. And he relates kind of this journey and this life and these principles and this word that he's, he's giving and he says, people that build on the sand, things are going to happen. The storms are going to come. The waters are going to come. And it's going to sweep away. It's going to sweep away that house. The problem, the, what I think Jesus, is, what gave, what, what Jesus gave me is, is that I don't think it was a matter of position of where people were building their homes. I think everyone, I think when he told the story, everybody was building on the sand. The problem is, is that some dug a little bit deeper to the rock, to the bedrock, and they put their foundation into the bedrock. Because what they'll tell you is, is that during the summer months around the Sea of Galilee is that sand will become so hard that you can actually dig into it and build you a little foundation. But when the weather changes and the water starts coming up from the rivers that populate the Sea of Galilee and the banks overflow, it softens the sand. And that's when the destruction happens. But for those that had their foundation built on the rock beneath all of the sand, that sand can go away, and that foundation is still going to be there. And this is sort of what Jesus gave me, was that sometimes we don't know how deep to go. Sometimes we don't know exactly how far down to dig. And it's just sometimes it's just easy to build a little foundation. Sometimes it's just more easy and comfortable to say, well, I, I, I did build me a little foundation and I'm going to be fine because the sand was pretty hard. But why God gave us leaders and pastors and teachers and apostles and evangelists was to, was to keep encouraging us. Every Sunday saying, hey, no, 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 you need to dig a little bit deeper. Hey, 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 no, you need to keep going deeper. You need to keep trying to go deeper because that's where the rock is. That's where the foundation, that's where that bedrock is going to be that saves you when the storms come and when the winds blow and when life happens. Because it's just too easy just to build a little foundation for ourselves. 
It can just be a little too comfortable to say, hey, I've built me a little foundation. But we need pastors and we need leaders and we need teachers that get up here week in and week out and call out to us and say, go deeper. Keep going deeper. There's more. It's down deeper. Keep digging deep. It's uncomfortable and it's hot and it's hard work, but go deeper. Keep going deeper. Praise God. Let's stand. And again, tonight is full church prayer, and you're going to have a wonderful opportunity to come and to pray for our leaders and to pray for our pastors, and they need it because it's a messed up world out there. And we need all the guidance that we can get because this world is falling apart quicker and quicker and quicker, and it's getting darker and darker and darker. And the last thing that you want to do in today's, in today's world right now is to fall asleep. You don't need to be falling asleep. And so we need our pastor to keep telling us to go deeper, to keep calling out to us, to say, let's go deeper, guys. Let's wade out deeper. Let's get out there and keep going deeper and dig deeper and dig deeper and to get more consecrated and to get more dedicated than ever before. Praise God. Bless you all. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God.
This next song that we're going to sing has been a song that's really spoke to me over the last couple of weeks. And I know that I'm not the only one facing situations that sometimes make you very afraid. But this song is an anthem that talks about who our God is in the midst of everything that we face. He's before us. He's behind us. He knows where we're going. He knows what our future holds. And in Him, we are safe and secure. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. You see, 
situation, whether it's a financial, an emotional, a physical, whatever type of a situation it is, and you speak to it and say, before me, behind me, he's always beside me, and I am not afraid because I know the God that I serve, because we have been given the victory over every situation in our life. You keep the promises you made. You keep alone. There isn't one that is delayed. So I will not lose heart. And I will live my all. And I will. And start to sing into the night. Oh, yes. My praise will. Declare that it is done. You see, when I 
Come on, let's lift our hands right now and give God praise. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We worship you. We've come to magnify you and lift you up, God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I will not be afraid. I will reach out. I will go forth. God, according to your word, we will believe it is done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. I bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is not a time to have fear. This is not a time to have doubt. It is a time to stand up and say, I will go forth. It is a time to put all fear behind me. It is a time to put doubt behind you. It is a time to stand up in faith and say, it will be done. I don't care what they say. I don't care what anybody has to say. Until God says it's done, it's not over. Until God says it's finished, it's not over. But when he says it's finished, my friend, it'll be finished right. It'll be done right. There'll be nothing no longer in the way. There'll be nothing no longer stand against you. There'll be nothing no longer can hold you back. If you will not fear and go forth, God will give you strength. God will give you power. God will give you authority. And it shall be done. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Two years ago, I went to go swimming on a nice morning. I thought I was feeling good. I walked into the community center. I got in that swimming pool, and I swam my half a mile. I got out of the swimming pool. The next thing I know, they were shocking me to get me going again. I couldn't see. My heart had stopped dead. They got me going. They had to shock me. I think it was four times they got me going. And they shocked me and got me back in. They said I'd went into AFib and my heart had got going so fast. It had went down to just a quiver and it quit beating. When I woke up, though, I couldn't walk. Something had happened to my back and I've been fighting it ever since. Well, they wanted to operate on my back and the doctor said, we can't operate on you. There's nothing we can do no more. Your heart will not take it. We can't put you under because your heart will stop and you will not wake up. Well, a few months ago, all at once, I started bleeding internally. And they had no choice but to put me under to go to colonoscopy. And I remember the doctor looked at me and he said, Arthur, we're going to do everything we can. But we're going to put you under. We got we to gotta do this. We got to find out why you're bleeding so bad. And they put me under. And I woke up just fine. And everything was okay. And they gave me an idea, and I laid it home, and I was praying. I said, God, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being down. I'm tired of not being able to do much. I'm tired of being hindered. I said, God, you either heal me or you kill me, because I'm tired of it. I don't want to lay around this way. My family says they'll miss me, but they, that's okay. They won't miss me for long. I learned a long time ago, death is like throwing a rock into the river. The ripples do pass. Yes, the rock's at the bottom of the river, and you'll be missed, but the ripples, the ripples do pass. But when I woke up from that colonoscopy and everything was fine, I said, okay, something's different. Something has changed. God has touched my heart. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to him, and I'm going to tell him I want the surgery. I want my back straightened out. They said, there's two surgeries you've got to go through. And I said, okay, let's get it on. 
They said, you got to go see the cardiologist. Now, this is the same cardiologist that, that had to restart my heart. He said, he's got to sign off on you. I went to him. He checked me out, did an EKG on me, and he said, go for it. There's only a 1% chance you won't wake up. I'm telling you, this Thursday, I go in and I get the first operation, and I'm going to get the second operation, and I'm going to be okay again. They're going to get this back straightened back out. But it was just the touch of God, and it was just the hand of God. And I want somebody here to understand something. They may say there's no hope, but there is hope. They may say there's nothing they can do, but they, God can do it. The doctor's hands may be tied, but it's time to stand up and say, I will trust God. I will not be afraid, and I will go forth, for he is mighty and he is able. Come on, somebody needs to reach out and take a hold of your miracle today and say, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to have it. receive that word. Amen? Amen. How many of you have a situation that you just need God to just take care of? We're not going to call you to the front. Just raise your hand right now. God's going to do something. If you, have a, if you have a situation, whatever it is, just raise your hand right now. You see, I need God to take care of this situation in my life. I've tried. I can't do it myself. It's not working. Just raise your hand right now. Lord Jesus, I believe, Lord, right now that the word of faith has been spoken. Father, that every person who has their hand in the air, Lord Jesus, God, I'm not just some positive speaker here today. I believe in the miraculous move of the Holy Ghost that you can step into every man, woman, and child situation right now, Lord Jesus. God, not just for our comfort. We're not just praying so that our lives can be easy. We're praying right now so that you can receive glory, Lord. God, that when you move on their behalf, when you begin to answer these, these situations, you, be, you begin to work miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles, God. Lord, that the glory would be yours, that, that we would not forget that you are the one, Lord. On this Sunday morning, Jesus, that, Lord God, stepped into a situation and just worked it out. I pray right now that every hand that is raised, God, that you would see it and you would honor their faith. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God. In Jesus' name. 